Hey everybody, welcome. This is Tavo D'Arcy of Tavo Creative Leadership. You can see my silhouette basically because I'm representing the everyday person, the everyday human person who is a, and because we talk to Christians and ministers and people who lead fellowships on this broadcast, we're trying to make it to you. Anyone else from another faith is welcome all the time, but I'm trying to get the point to the leaders who call themselves a Christian. So we're here to represent today the every person and the every person today, because of all the good teaching, all the media, all the savvy, all the different kinds of secular inventions as well is pretty sophisticated and pretty well a lot of the time right. They really know what's going on, including ministries. All right, the, on, when you're in a ministry, when you've formed a ministry, when you've had a move come out of your ministry for 30 years, it's a, it's a different kind of ball game. We understand. So then we come across the packaging and the marketing. We come across the styles, the types, the kind that have the Holy Spirit, the kind that don't, the kind that are all different colors and uh, all the multicultural. I love multicultural. I feel like this is the beginning of really being diverse in Christian ministry. We really need it because we need all the different kinds of inputs, the organic flavors, the organic type of backgrounds from different tribes and nations, tongue talking and not, to really represent who we're going to see in heaven, but also how to get it across Jesus' good news, being the bearer of good news to different kinds of people. Some can receive from a uh, a male or a female, some can you know receive from somebody who's dark skin better than others, and that didn't mean if you're dark skin. Now people are re are receiving from many kinds of people, not just like themselves. But when I've been in the body of Christ studying ministry since I was 24, a whole generation from before all the TV, now during the TV, and now giant, really set and concrete moves that have been there for you know 25 years that are stable. There can be so much good, really healthy in there. And you'll have to watch out that some of the people in these moves don't get hard and have sort of like a paranoia. Is somebody going to take our ministry? Is somebody going to cause trouble because they've been hurt before? We understand that. But the issue is it's not about an us against them in any kind of theology. Otherwise, I think you just are missing the whole point. That's what I'm talking today. It's very valuable to go back to the Bible every so often, New Testament, not the old. The old brings, you know, when you have the law in New Testament days, it makes it more sin spying, finger pointing, and accusing because people know their rules. They know all the religious rules, and some people will be really good at it, you know, keeping track and minding everybody's business. That is a sign of the law. So we're not opposed to the Old Testament. We're forsaking the law part in the New Testament Christian ministry days. The Old Testament was set up for the Hebrew Jews, and it had the rules and requirements that God wanted. It was the schoolmaster for his people. All right. Now, in the New Testament, Jesus fulfilled the law, Christ did, so he can write the law, he can talk to us in our heart with his New Testament Bible. The Old Testament, in my opinion, and I'm submitting it as a selah, not as dogma for everyone to think about, and that is, it is now a precept. Everything is very valuable. It's still to teach us. But there should be no critical comments made for people who don't exactly do like you think they should. And that is how I can tell the law, let's say critical and Levitical rhyme, in the born-again sense. 
when you think they're not going to church, they're church hoppers, which is big and grassroots, certain parts, charismatic. That is a sign of the law because the law accuses, the law looks at somebody and says, they're wrong, but I'm right. And then you can find that old scowl of false doctrine. You never call anybody a church hopper. You're a church hopper without a, the old scowl of false doctrine, which is a big giveaway. Let me say this. If you are, if it is your business to know everybody's business, everybody's leader business, everybody's family business, which some do think that is their entitled to do it, because we've been around many years in grassroots, mega and micro, but I started in micro, all right? So you can say, if it is your business, then you need to make sure you're not into the scale of false teaching, critical Levitical, but if it is your business, then you assess them. That's the, how you tell a difference in law, legalists, people minding other people's business in the Christian community, males or females, and somebody who's truly interested in that other person for the sake of their own soul, their life, their call, eternity. So if you care for somebody and you see them and it is your business, you think, well, they don't go to church. If you assess them, that is their business if they don't go to church. Listen, I've seen enough of this that it is your business if you go to church, if you don't go anywhere. You please God, because we know how it is, it can't be. All right. But in the old days, in the old school, they used to have this sort of Pharisee teaching that was thriving in charismatic grassroots for the last 20 years, 25, 30 years or more, about, you know, turf protecting. Are people under somebody's authority, submission? Are you going to church? Are you covered? And are you under somebody famous to make you a valid minister? Are you a church hopper? Have you been caught by one of them? Not me. <laughs> Have you been caught attending more than one fellowship? Listen, it is there in certain communities, and it really is a red flag because, see, I was not raised around it. I was raised around nice Christians who didn't mind anybody's business. They were much more diverse. And so it made me get my attention where I would study what in the world is this doctrine? Where does it come from? And that's how I studied, started to catch wind of what we call the winds of doctrines, the traditions of men that make the Holy Spirit null and void. So if you see somebody, let's say you're talking to a Christian minister, a pastor, all right, and they see somebody, they live in a little area, all the pastors know each other very well, and they see somebody not going to church. Now, isn't this, hate to say it, in this just pitiful to have to mention it, but I'm talking to ministers. It's pitiful. It's pitiful. Baptists don't think that. Black, I don't think black people do because I know a lot of black people. All right. So you think somebody's not going to church in your group, and you look and you say, there are two ways of doing it. Are you a real caring individual because that is a human person a relationship male or female a treasure of god and so you think you know i care you would say it like this oh i i'm assessing them i'm evaluating them looks like they don't go to church i wonder why now it really isn't your business but if you know them they're in your family they're in your church or you know somehow it's your business then if you are that concerned you really care then you are to pray and humbly go and make an appointment and just chat with them about it. The old-timey Pharisee coming down from American history would say, 
pin, you know, find them far away and start to gossip and start to accuse them. And that is how you can tell legalism. This is how we're seeing some red flags. If you are under the law, somebody you know. At the top of onlinefellowship.us, I made a whole list of maybe 18 common legalisms that people in America, usually white America, have done, you know, with this type of charismatic thing. Usually they've kept tabs of all these different kinds of traditions, which are real no-nos in their group. That doesn't mean it's in everybody's group. It's their group. So everything from don't wear jewelry, don't skip church, don't do this, don't do that. There's a whole list at the top of the onlinefellowship.us for you to see, because when you know what is really in the Bible, that's pure-hearted, that wrote was written by Paul, you'll know Ephesians 4. That is the answer to all this critical Levitical in the New Testament. Critical Levitical is what made me, the Friendly Fire Fellowship in certain groups, the us again, you know, when they get in their doctrine, it's a false doctrine, they get their scale of false doctrine, they start to build huge ministries or small ministries, and all the people are in the same false doctrine. Then you get this critical, even occult, cult spirit. So, of course, that's a red flag. I study what's in their doctrine because of how it deals with, it affects relationships. It affects going to church. You don't feel safe. You don't feel value. You don't feel respected. Why bother? <laughs> Why bother to go? You know, before COVID, the American population had quit going to church. A lot of it. I understood why. That's why we formed the friendly, uh, the, the, onlinefellowship.us in 2015, way long before COVID because of these issues. Now, I was in Dallas where it was giant, but I'd been in Virginia and different other places around the nation where I'd seen this little type of friendly fire fellowship and Pharisee false teaching. So it's against Christ's good name. How do I know? Because I read my Bible. I didn't just teach on taking in tithes and collections. I just didn't say this way or that. My way or the highway, I politely assessed their doctrine. I evaluated that it hurt people. It accused relationships. It had no fear of the Lord. It was disrespectful time after time. And I went to the Bible to see what was really, you know, the truth. You go online and you find your Bible, your app, your real holy book, the old-fashioned way, B-Y-O-B. Here's mine right here. Faithful Bible. And you read it. So I read, first of all, two things. I read about Jesus. Jesus, the head founder, head apostle, the true chief apostle over all the other gates of the city and other apostles, every church ever formed. And he was global. He was the prophet of all times, as well as the, all the other offices. Plus, he wasn't white. He was Middle Eastern. So when we look at that, I read about Jesus when he was alive before he died and gave his life for us and rose again. I read when he was in ministry in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in the Gospels, which is not called the Gossips, but the Gospels, Good News. And I read every relationship when Jesus was alive in ministry with his mother, with all the people, his siblings, his half-siblings, the little children, all kinds of males and females, even sinners. And I just watched, had noted, how did Jesus act and how did he react? And when you do that, if you just read that, 
and no other type of thing, no other teaching, no other book training, you will be shocked at what goes on and passes itself off as ministry, Holy Ghost ministry, all kinds of ministries. So if we see Christ, who was not a bigot, he wasn't a chauvinist, a misogynist, he wasn't a bully, he wasn't a racist, he, he played with the children, humble, respected his mother, respected everybody, all leaders and no collar and white collar, if they had collars back then, you'd say that Jesus Christ was like, would be shockingly abnormal today if he came and set up his ministry on the earth where you and I live most of the places. Not all, but so we have to get back. What is organic? That's what started me saying it. You know, back in 15, 20 years ago, all this stuff about eating organic food came on the scene. And I had already thought that, you know, when they bought those co-ops and they started putting injections of hormones in the beef and they started putting uh, synthetic additives in the wheat and the corn in America, everybody started getting fat. Well, I liken that to TV ministry. Now, I'm for big ministry. I've been, it's a gift to be online, you know, all these years. People just didn't know what we know now to evaluate it of what it can do. So you got many of the TV preachers, you know, let's say for all the years, good and bad, all right? So when you look, at what happened, you have many a, kip, a slip between the cup and the lip. The TV preacher's talking, and they have all these things they're saying, all the different kinds, all the different styles, the doctrines, the looks, some are true, some are not. And then you see many a slip between the cup and the lip. Let's say they're all true up here. But when it comes down to where I live and you live, you got mixture and grandma and false teaching and racism and bias. And you get people who just take a spin thinking, you know, I can take collections too because my mama told me I was handsome and I can look good and be a preacher like she said. So you get this for 30 years and it's what we got. ConAgra is when they, to me, it's like ConAgra bought all the corn and all these co-ops Monsanto and they started to affect the whole nation. Well, I'm not putting down Christian television because I'm on it, but I'm saying that if we're not careful and not evaluating what we're listening to and who's doing what all the time, then it's just like whatever it says up here is out to everybody and it's infiltrating the everybody's brains and good and bad and awful. And so I was stationed, sent out to be an embed for generation all my life in the grassroots as a firsthand eyewitness of what the fruit is of really good teaching and not so good from TV, but it ain't the TV preacher as much, well, as some of it is, but it isn't all that. It's what we've done with it, and we didn't know we were doing with it, and we didn't know that a lot of people, trends of doctrine, winds of doctrine, ad Hollywood, media, packaging, presentation, and money, 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 you know, showbiz, all right? So now we don't have just the trend, the the uh, yeast of the Pharisees, we got a lot more than that. We got the the yeast of the fad UCs, all the fads that have come down. I remember back in the 80s or the 90s when the Holy Spirit moves, you know, all the TV started going, all these trends selling vitamins and debit cards would come through town where I used to live, and I didn't do it. Multi-level marketing, all the, you know, that's your choice, but I didn't feel right about it for myself. I didn't feel healthy about it. 
So right now we're looking at whatever we have. It's a collection, a hodgepodge of too much. What is real? What is fantasy? What is playtime? And what is reality with the world and the situation that it is now? Going to H in a handbasket, if we're not careful, any day. So this is why I'm speaking up and I'm being very respectful, but I'm being very bold, like I've never been this bold because I'm concerned for the sake of the Lord's good name and the soul of our nation and your children and the children. I believe that everybody who has a head on their shoulders that's a Christian that cares should really examine what you're believing and you can pick apart my doctrine. You know, I like Paul. Paul said, I haven't arrived he said, know me, know my doctrine, know my lifestyle. He didn't. He wasn't famous. He said he was a so, lowercase letter apostle, servant leader, who was the off-scouring of the world. Well, I'm an off-scouring apostle like Paul, Galatians 1, 1 and 5, the Lord told me. I'm an off-scouring of the world to the sent to the mega celebrity ministries. That's what I am. And you know what? I am fine. I'm so happy. I am content. Not every big ministry is a cult, occult, or has false doctrine. Let me say that. And they're very nice people in every group, all colors. It's just nobody knew what these forms would take over. And then you get in the etched in concrete turf protecting. And you get in the false teaching with thousands who are devout followers if they're there. Like I said, a heads up on false teaching is if they scowl and don't relate. <laughs> The scowl of false doctrine is your red flag, the critical Levitical. So when I've gone in some of the ones, because I move in the Holy Spirit, I love Holy Spirit. And that's when I found out a lot about these false teachings in the charismatics, because I'm not a charismatic. God took me out in 2012. I just, I'm crossed by the unity. Means I love the book of Acts, but I can hang with any kind that speak in tongues or don't. But we're trying to make it for the body as a resource, not to grow personal ministries, just to instruct and let them get attention, red flags. So I thought, why would I want to go being sent? And see, I believe every, I know God has put you and me and anybody you see in an earth suit, whatever color, style, size, gender, he's put you in an earth suit for your mission, your global mission. And sometimes the earth suit that you have, male or female, could be a test, a test to you. They don't like me because I'm too tall. They don't like me because I'm too brown. They don't like me because I'm a female. They don't like me this or I'm too short, whatever. So you have to deal with that with God. You know, go to, that's why he's there. But the other part is sometimes your earth suit is a big test, bigger test to them, somebody else. <laughs> and God is watching them, how they react to you whether they see you in the mall or in the church. And so for some reason, this is how I think. I think, man, that helps me with relationships. That helps me want to teach respect and be respectful because I have had in certain places where they had no fear of the Lord. I didn't know growing up until I moved to the deep Southwest for a few years that there is bias, chauvinism, and misogyny, anti-female, so thick in certain parts of the Christian ministry, even today, that I could feel it because I am a prophet, you know. When that happened, I don't think of just myself. I just say, God had said, if you see something three times or more, I want you to train on it if it hurts people and it hurts his good name, his safe name and a fellowship. So I do. 
The other part was I thought, man, if it's bad, these are white people to do it to myself because I'm just a different kinds of energy. I'm a not a we centric colonial. I'm a we global, more diverse. But my energy triggers this. I thought, how are they doing to black people if they're doing like this to me? Man, so it got me on my my anti-racism, anti-bias in ministry really big to come out because it's such a poor witness and we want to be better. So if I go in looking for the Holy Spirit, which I didn't know was a big deal, <laughs> I didn't know. Because see, I've studied Baptists and all kinds. I've been with Catholics. I've been with all kinds of Holy Spirit moves. I've been with all kinds of races. Vietnamese, I oversaw a church of Spirit-filled Vietnamese for a year and a half. I've been used and all around the nation, you know, a lot of the Deep South, from Florida many times, and Tulsa, Oklahoma, Faith, all these different ones. And I like them. I really can find something good in almost every single one. It wasn't until I wanted to be with the Holy Spirit and grow in the spirit of prophecy, which is really a man's field. I just didn't know that I would trigger whatever that spirit is that is just so, it's like racism. And I've studied, I called it whelp. Online fellowship, I have a, in fact, I'll be putting it on Teammate U, doing a whole new series on TeammateU.com of investigating shepherding, which is Western European Levitical patriarchism and matriarchism from the maybe 60s or 70s. It means all the men are over everybody. It's a white movement. So we're not against people, these people. We're just against the false teaching because it accuses and it is a very, it's a spirit. It really is a, sometimes it's, it's, it, it hurts Jesus's house because it's divisive. It puts us against them. I call it prophetic paranoia a lot. They're looking for devils. They're looking for Jezebels. That's why I realized, you know, it's a controlling spirit and it, it comes around me so much that I train on it. I know it and I confront it as the Jezebel spirit. They're all in calling everybody else. They have a type, and it's not about relationships or respectful. It's really sad. You know, and I believe it. it's not a white, it's only a white move in this kind. And not all people who pray in the Spirit are like this. But it is so big in America that God called my attention. And now I have a 20-part series, the series that I just finished on onlinefellowship.us. I'm going to re-put it in one long, you know, availability on Oh, it's on YouTube. Yeah, YouTube is youtube.com Tevo Creative Leadership. It's either Tevo Creative Leader or Tevo Creative Leadership. But it's anyway 20 long because I might write a book. But we're for the body of Christ. We're for you, but we're supposed to look like him. We're supposed to look like him and keep our priorities. So let me go down the priorities. Why do I say this and make everybody who, who thinks, you know, well, they're all like, eh, eh, eh. <laughs> Why do I say it being, you know, not being sweet baby Jesus like everybody wants that are, you know, certain communities. You're not sweet like baby Jesus. Yeah, Jesus didn't stay in his little manger all those years. He grew up and humid up because he had to face the tough crowd, the MTCs, the mentally tough customers of his day, the Pharisees, who were the accusers of him, the whelps, same group. <laughs> So we are confronting doctrine, but we're confronting the fact that this is anti-Ephesians 4. Let's do Ephesians 4. All right. 
what is Ephesians 4? Why can all of this that I mentioned, all the schisms and racisms and factions, all that wherewithal chasing, all these things, why can Ephesians 4 help? Let's talk about it. It's about relationships and respect. Ephesians 4, and by Paul said, who wrote two-thirds of the Bible, he said, everyone walking in meekness and lowliness and long-suffering, everybody, endeavoring to keep the bonds of peace for unity. Because when you read the whole chapter, unity transforms the Christian community, all the different kinds. They have the fear of the Lord. They're getting along, and it's such a shock that they're not stubborn and they're not mean anymore. <laughs> it gets the attention of the secular community and gives a big witness. Read Ephesians 4. All right. When you look at the unity, Paul, the off-scouring apostle, not famous in his day, the first 13 apostles who were schooled by Jesus, mentored personally and individually, they didn't like Paul at first. They didn't understand his vibe, and he went to live with the Arabs for 13, 14 years, and that's how he got his abundance of the revelation by grace. So he comes back, and you know, everybody's matured. They allow him to co-labor, but he still has been on a special assignment. He wasn't encased in religion or the comfort of all of this community. Everybody, you know, the skill that they had gotten, you know, rubbing shoulders with Jesus and being in this big uh, Jerusalem, the first 12. So he comes back, and he has heard God, said he did not confess with flesh and blood he had to hear from God he comes back and he writes two-thirds of the New Testament most of the time from a prison cell not glamour not the lifestyles of the rich and famous Apostle no 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 all right so Apostle Paul was godly content that's one thing I love about Paul I really like Paul because you know I'm godly content I just study Paul he says he was proud of the noble Bereans because they picked apart his doctrine he wasn't like this, you better hear everything I say, don't you dare question me. No, he's the opposite. He had humility. He loved people. He didn't want them to, if he were in error, he didn't want them to go to hell or get you know, hurt. So he said, please make sure you study what I say. And that's what I do. And you can study what I say and pick out what the hay is, throw out the stubble with every movement, including this. And I'll do it with yours because we're on our way, each by ourselves, to get through to heaven and make sure we get there. So when you look at Ephesians 4, it's the unity of a community, not a white community, not a red state community, not a, our kind only, big boy, little, you know, big eye, little, it's not that. That's division. It's not a celebrity only, they only know the word. It's not a off-scouring only, they only know the word. No, it's whomever. We have to just all make mistakes and get along. So the goal is the humility and working on relationships with no big eyes, little use. That's Paul throughout. He says in Ephesians 5, 21, he says, everyone walking in mutual, mutual submission in the fear of the Lord. <laughs> For relationships make the difference. When we look at Ephesians 4, he says, now that you're walking in meekness and lowliness, means leaders, lay, marriages, whomever, people that are Christians, he says, then there are four common doctrines that hallmark a real Christian. Anybody can tell you who's been around 
all they know about the facts, the Ten Commandments, they know about all the rules in the Old Testament, all the thou shalt not, thou shalt not skip church, all this stuff of all kinds of things Paul writes about in the New Testament. And you know what? We're really supposed to do it all. However, we can't. We have, we have besetting sins. We're just human. Some are just poorly trained. Some never know it. Some people are just, you know, they don't know about the law and not having to have the law. So there's a lot of educational deals going on in there. But God is so loving and so forgiving. He's just not going to tolerate playtime with the real disciples. No. Ephesians 4 says... <clears throat> It says, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, the Father of us all. Those are the four doctrines that one must believe if you are a real Christian, if you're going to be a Christian. Now, a Christian is invited Jesus in their heart, and they're supposed to be sincere, and they have a relationship with God, a private relationship. And then they read their Bible, they study, they fellowship, and grow in their skill, understanding. So that person is really supposed to go to God and say, Lord, you know, I, I made a mistake today. I opened my big mouth. I said something. I cussed. I fussed. Whatever. I did other things. I did the deed. I should have, you know, all things that you can think of are in the New Testament. So you and the Lord, he watches you like you're the only person he's ever made. You're his only child and he holds you accountable. But because he loves you, he he is saying, I give you grace because I know you came from a weak background. I know you had a lot of addicts, a lot of drunks in your family. You can help it. A lot of people were promiscuous. A lot of people were all of this stuff. You didn't grow up with a happy child. So after for a while, maybe a long time, God will work with you to say, I forgive you. Just fall down, get back up, fall down, get back up. Now, when you're more mature and certain people are more mature in your ministry, he'll say, you know what? You better change or I'm moving you out like the the lost first love lampstand of Revelation 2. They lost their first love. God said, I'm gonna if you don't change, I'm gonna remove you from your lamppost. So there are times when only God knows each pe person. He holds us accountable, but he's not legalistic, he's loving because he knows you can't do it if you're humble and ask forgiveness and you know do your best. However, I teach. We want to have the whole counsel of God. We want to have the fear of the Lord. We don't want to water it down BPC. And I'm training the whole counsel of God. But I'm training New Testament. All right, let's look at Ephesians 4. All the teaching you've heard on TV, all the teaching you've heard in your ministry, all the opinions, all the this, that, that, all the types of prophets. Prophets do this. Pastors do that. Don't do this. All that. All right. One Lord, here are the four doctrines that you have to be in a line with to be a real Christian, according to Paul. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, when God the Father was all. The bottom criteria. This can help us have unity. Why unity? Because it pleases God. It makes us stand out, set apart the bride of Christ, the brotherly love church whose doors will never close in Revelation 2, the Philadelphia church. So the goal is community and unity and the fragrance of a transformed real deal witness to the Lord in the community, the body, each one in an area. All right. It, it makes people catch, you know, the goal is eternity for anybody and everybody. That's the real reason for that. 
Here are the four doctrines, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, the Father of us all. All right, one, one Lord is Jesus Christ. He's the only way, the truth, and the life that no one shall come to the Father but by him. There is a way that seems right but ends in death. You can Google that for yourself and see if it's in the Bible. So Jesus Christ is the way. He is the truth and the life. He is the Lord, all right? The next one is, you believe that? That's right, for the Christian, all right? One faith, the Christian faith. One baptism, the baptism in water symbolizing of your sins being washed away for eternity. I'm not calling the Holy Spirit baptism, praying in tongues like the book of Acts, as the baptism of this doctrine. Jesus was really baptized in water, but many people of different kinds of Christians may call that same, what some call the baptism of the Holy Spirit, praying in tongues, is really the infilling. So that is not what I'm talking about. Number four, when God the Father of us all, just think, see that sky behind me, the beautiful clouds and all nature, the eternal Father, the global creator, the Father of us all, the giant, enormous, one past all our imagination who has the universe, He's the father of us all. Therefore, he must like all colors. He must like all styles, personalities, because he is, he made us like this. Think around the globe at all the different skin tones and sizes and shapes and hair textures and all these things. God is an artist. He is the master creator designer. That is wonderful. The only thing is, it's us humans that have our issues that we can't get along. We get to, we struggle, we're stubborn, we just don't want to. We got our bigot bias, to, so we got to work on it. That's it. We got to collaborate. We got to get on unity. We got to figure out common doctrine. We got to figure out how to not stereotype, but see a relationship. And then everyone, go to God. Give you strength to act in James 3.17 to abide in unity. Say, Father, man, I can hardly stand it, but I'm going to ask you to help me to be loving anyway and forgive them anyway, no matter what. So that goes back to Ephesians 4, 1 and 3 as well. Everyone walking in meekness and lowliness and long-suffering. See, it's going to be suffering. Long-suffering. You know how it is. So even if I have this spirit that manifests, they have no fear of the Lord, if I show up in the whelp spirit <laughs> manifest, <laughs> I say, Father, and I have to, I forgive them. I really have to. Father, forgive them. They know what they, what they, <laughs> forgive them. They know what they do, but I can train their doctrine. Why? Because God has showed me it's not affecting just me. I'm seeing it for the sake of the Lord, his good name, that nobody's supposed to own the wells of the Holy Spirit or prophecy and no accuser, no accuser who never speaks and relates, some person who is a biased, bigot, misogynist should not <laughs> present themselves as knowing the Holy Spirit and you know representing the Father God. So that particular field has been my experience for 30 years. I just didn't know it existed as a Baptist. I mean, I never heard of this stuff, but God sent me when I was 24, he had me study the movements and then TV came in. So it's been interesting. And I, and, and the whelp are very gifted and I like a lot of their, they have wonderful music. They really do. And they, they're really fine too, <laughs> but I can't, what do you want? Listen, everybody, 
what would you rather have if you're black or brown or white or female or red state or blue state would you rather have somebody that is superior and that is skilled and accurate and unloving and mean in fact ornery or would you have somebody who's not quite as skilled and nice and pleasant respectful I'd rather go there that's why I don't go there <laughs> but we want to train them and I want to stir it up so they will think on these things that's really it if I say I forgive you I do and I love them I really do I really like them I would some of these people I'd really be their friends if they negotiate but the other part is that, you know, there's no time to waste playing around. This is to me playtime. I just had it with playtime and ministry. Dallas did it to me. I, I mean, really, Dallas started, <laughs> made me realize we ain't got any time left for this. This is supposed to be the harvest, equal opportunity, real respect for the office of every human made in God's image, like them or not, fat or thin, black or brown or white, male or female, let's get over it because it's not about you or me. It's about the Lord and the Christ I serve and his father when he confronted Adam in the garden because Adam wrecked the plan and willfully chose to eat that fruit. Eve was deceived. Adam willfully participated. Neither of these, Father God nor Christ, are an accuser. The accuser is Genesis 3 and Revelation 12, written in only the male term, ironically. All right, the accuser is the other name for deceiver, Satan. And so our father, he up front confronted Adam in Genesis 3 when Adam hurt his heart. Adam just chose to please his wife, it says, and ate that fruit intentionally instead of being deceived. And God said, Adam, where are you? Adam had done the you know sin but God didn't come after him like an accuser he didn't come after him like Adam I know what you did I'm gonna get you and pay you know you're gonna be forever banished that is how the carnal sin mind would do it the false authority the leadership that need is trained and disciplined but Father God just said it like a great dad. He said, Adam, where are you? Leaving Adam time to man up and fess up and say, Lord, here's what happened. Eve sinned. Eve just was deceived, but I willfully ate it. It happened on my watch as head of home, head of chain of command, and would you forgive us? God might have done that. You don't know. So all these issues, the big issues, even Adam and Eve, Genesis 3, if you just read Genesis 1 through 3, all the relationships, Wow, it's all about these relationships. If you read Jesus in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the good news, the Gospels, read how he acted and reacted, and then just act like Jesus. We wouldn't have all this stuff. We will not have racism, division, prophetic paranoia, pathetic paranoia. We will not have any of this. We'll have a team. And I am for an organic team. Let everyone be their special strength. Let everyone do their doctrine. They feel this right of the Lord. That is your business. That is your call. I'm here to say, if I need, to, if you want to talk to me about defragging the law, the critical, you know, shepherding, which is whelp, our term for whelp, Western European Levitical Patriots, if you want to help, you know, discuss if you've got it or not. And if you want to do worship or fun stuff or just have fun, let's do it. I'm here. We're for the body of Christ. It is for his name's sake, not mine. 
It is for his namesake. That's why I'm happy just like this, sort of an anonymous, everyday kind of person, walking it out one day in, one day out, one year in, one day out, just like you should, like everybody on their own turf. And when the Lord says, do something, do it. If he doesn't say do it, don't. So today I felt like I was supposed to come into the office. And while I was here, I just thought I need to give this word. We don't want any more prophetic paranoia. We don't want any more of this pathetic anti-relationship, no loving and call it a ministry and call it a ministry. This is not about me. It's about the Lord and his ministry, his ministry of life, life more abundantly. My name is Tavo DRC, Dr. T. If you need to contact me, write me at tclleadership at gmail.com. God bless you. He loves you. Bye-bye. We're figuring out how to cut this off.